Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast. Andre Gallibur, the Knicks pull out a couple solid victories here. That game in Detroit had everybody shook daddy. You about to have Detroit lose or or finally break this this losing streak against your team on the road. That's a disaster. A disaster. It almost happened. But you saw a level of intensity at the end of that game that for like for me, for me, is the defense that I want to see. Obviously, I don't think you can play it the entire game, but you want to see it more often. Like in it, like that Phoenix game, you want to see that kind of intensity throughout the game. Don't wait till you get down. And my fear for this next game, this in-season tournament game with this long layoff, is the Knicks seem to be a little a half step slow when they have a few days off. Because you saw them come out against Toronto, and they weren't a half step slow. They were sharp, and you expected them to be. You expected them to be. All right, but they pulled it out. You move on. You don't think nothing about it anymore. It's done. You got the win. That's the end of it. And I got to say it again, Mayor Copa, again, I thought Detroit was going to be a little bit better this year. I don't actually, I need to start writing down some of my predictions. I'll be honest with you. I did the whole thing on the show. I don't remember exactly where I put Detroit. I know I didn't put them in the play-in. I know I put them in in the, they'll be competitive for a lot of the year, and then they'll fall off towards the end of the year. I think I kind of put them in that category, but they're not even that. And this is not a Detroit podcast, but listen, man, I said to somebody over the summer, you know, the Knicks have uh, one of Detroit's picks, and they're lottery protected. And there's there's a belief around the league that that pick isn't going to convey to a first-round pick um, because Detroit is bad. But that was before the season, right? So in a conversation about that pick, people would say Detroit is bad. That pick is never going to convey because Detroit's going to be, uh, you know, a high draft pick team. So that pick isn't worth anything. But then in a different conversation, all you hear is Troy Weaver is a tremendous front office guy and Detroit's on the right path and they're so talented and blah, 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 blah. All right, well, you can't have both. If that's what's happening, then they're, going, they're not going to be in the lottery forever, right? That's the logic. Because they got a lot of talented players there. And I'm talking about coming into the season. You're talking about a healthy K. You're talking about Jaden. You're talking about Thompson. You're talking about Doran. They had Wiseman. You're thinking Wiseman is going to do something. Uh, not to mention Bogdanovich. So you keep talking about how great Detroit looks on paper talent-wise. So why do you think that pick is never going to convey? But then what do you think happens? They come into the season throwing up all over themselves. And... Are are they really this bad? I mean, there's no Bogdanovich all year, but it, it, that's it. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. That's 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 the reason why you can't win any games. I, listen, I saw a breakdown of some of the defensive mistakes Detroit made in that game. It's Nick Film School, I believe, on YouTube. That guy is kind of a maniac. He's entertaining, and I don't think he's always wrong. Like sometimes he's being a little too strict, but. You know, they were, some of the defensive mistakes that Detroit was making in that game was kind of like, you know, rookie – I shouldn't say rookie stuff. I said rookie coach stuff maybe. And it's hard to understand whether or not Mont- – I don't think Monty's trying to lose. <laughs> but there's a lot of things they could be doing better. You got one of the top picks in the draft, a point guard the Knicks want. You know, the Knicks wanted Jaden Ivey. They wish they could get Jaden Ivey. They tried to trade to get him. And now this guy can't even play. And when he does play, he don't do nothing but score inefficiency. 
inefficiently most of the time. I don't know what's going on over there. You know, I really, I really don't. I think Monty is starting to get to a place where it's like, is this guy as good a coach as, as everyone keeps saying he is? Because what the hell? And in that vein, I, I talked about Washington. I thought Washington would win some games. I didn't think Washington was going to be good. I just, I think, I think they were going to win some games. And and in fairness, they are winning some games, uh, but they are throwing up all over themselves most nights. And so is Jordan Poole, who's been mostly uh, a disaster. And their draft pick, Johnny Davis, who I actually like Johnny Davis. I didn't watch, I didn't scout Johnny Davis, uh, to be honest with you. I just saw a little bit of him. You know, I kind of liked his toughness and physicality. Uh, I obviously, I thought he would be uh, a better a better player than he's shown so far. I got a chance to meet Tommy Shepard and talk to him for a little while. So I was kind of... You know, I'm kind of rooting for him uh, every chance I get. And obviously, he gets let go by the Wizards. And the last draft pick he makes is a disaster. You know? So, that that hurts. It's not the end of his career. But he should be he should be out there. The Wizards are not going to do anything. He should be out there playing 25, 30 minutes a game and just let him play through whatever's going on at this point. But, you know, I definitely thought they would, you know, be a little bit more competitive than they've shown but I also think it's overstating to say that they haven't been competitive um, but and Kuzma has played uh, relatively well in fairness we talked about Kuzma over the summer as a possible acquisition for the Knicks uh, you know kind of like a six man for the Knicks I don't think he he's playing like a starter you know but we're talking about coming into the season I thought there was a place for him on the team at the money that he was likely going to get, especially when you got a guy like Fournier on the roster making around $18 million and you just got to come up with. And I'm not saying it's easy, but we were talking about over the summer. You know, it seemed like getting Kuzma wasn't out of the realm of possibility and maybe the juice was worth the squeeze with his skill set. But, you know, enough about Washington, Detroit. It was a good win last week. Knicks come in, play Toronto in the second half of a back-to-back and I'm thinking they're going to lose because Toronto plays them well with all of their defensive players and their length, playing them on the road. RJ's not playing well, and I thought RJ's going to go out there and go four forward, 92, and and shoot the game away. He didn't play great. He, he did. He played decently for stretches, but Jalen was awesome. You know, you got to give Randall credit for playing a solid game. Dante was a hero in this game. Uh, Hart was a hero in this game. You saw Hart make comments about not feeling in the flow of the offense and feeling kind of like a forgotten man. And, and ever since those comments, and, and, and Tibbs responded by saying Hart's usage is the same as it was last year, right? Right after that game, you see Josh Hart be more aggressive, more decisive in what he's trying to do, creating more offense, having the ball in his hands more, doing good things for the team. And you've seen it for consecutive games now. And then he comes and he scores 15 straight points against Toronto to really push the Knicks ahead in the nip and tuck game, hitting hitting from all over the, the floor, making plays, awesome game on from him. And then you see Randall kind of make a little stab at Tibbs by saying, hey, good things happen when, when Josh Hart's usage is up. Good things happen. He said it over and over. It's kind of like a troll. And I don't think I don't think it's a negative thing, but it is kind of a it is kind of a troll to Tibbs. But 
I think what people don't understand about this offense that the Knicks have is guys really have the freedom to do more than people think they have the freedom to do. And I don't know if the Knicks had to tell Josh Hart that he can do more than he had been doing and he and he turned it up. Or maybe Josh was like, nah, F it. I'm just going to play the way I played last year, if that's the case. You know, it could have been some mixed messages stuff. You know, like, hey, we're going to have the ball in this guy's hands more. So, you know, you know, we're not going to have you do it as much. And then he took that to heart and he was less aggressive uh, when the ball found him. And he moved it instead of creating plays and, and playing his game. And maybe he said effort to that and he's just going to do what he's been doing. And he's going to have to tell me to stop or take me out. Or maybe it was just him getting in his own way. But he definitely turned it around ever since that conversation. It was it's, It was definitely needed. Josh Hart was a difference on this team last year. And and those of you who don't understand that just really didn't watch the game. He's a difference. Now, did he hurt in the playoffs? Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that right now. But he was a clear difference on the team last year when he came in. And you're talking about a guy who came in in the middle of the season, didn't know anything. You know, what would he have any, any connection with anybody but Jalen Brunson? And he figured it out, and he was awesome. So to see him come in this year and be like lost and feel like a forgotten man out of sorts, not, the Knicks can't win like that. I mean, do they have other guys to pick up the slack? Sure, but they can't win like that. They got to have him be him. And it's the same thing with Grimes. But with Grimes, and I made this this comment before, you look at Dante DiMincenzo. Dante is not doing anything more or or less than what Grimes is being asked to do. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say he's not being asked to do anything more or less than what Grimes is being asked to do. He's catch the ball, make a play. You got the shot, shoot it. If you don't, attack a closeout, make a play. If you don't got it, move it. That's all Grimes is being asked to do, and he's not doing it. And I'll be the first one to tell you that he's not being featured enough, he's not getting the ball enough, and they should do more actions with him. I still believe that last part about the actions, but you know, I, I think he should be on screen and roll more. But the opportunities that he does have, he's not max. He's not maximizing. And what you're seeing from now, Hart, and what you've been seeing from Dante all year is you're seeing two players who are in essentially the same position on the floor that Grimes is in, especially with Dante. And he's not doing what they're doing. And he has every every skill that they have to do it. He can handle the ball as well as both of them. He's a he's maybe not the the passer that Hart is, but he's at least the passer that Dante is. He can score on all three levels better than all of them, and he's not doing it. Nobody drives to the basket. You saw it last night against Toronto. Nobody drives to the basket and creates opportunities for Mitchell as well as Quentin Grimes does. He doesn't do it very often, but. If if you if there was someone who could measure how often Quentin Grimes, the rate, the, the percentage of times Quentin Grimes drives and it ends up with a foul layup or dunk for Mitchell Robinson, I bet you his percentage is higher than anyone else on the team. Because you see plenty of guys driving to the basket, but when Quentin goes, one of those three things happens. He just doesn't go enough. And, and it's starting to be very, very obvious that it's about him. It's not about anyone else. And it could be one of those things where messages are being given that we don't see that's that's kind of, you know, mental blocking the player from doing what he wants to do or thinking, or doing what we think he should do. Possibly, but 
all all that we've seen is he's not doing as much as he was doing last year, and he's in this very same role. He's playing less minutes because he's playing less well. <laughs> so don't give me the minutes thing. But like I said, I'm a I'm a big Quentin fan. I want him to do well. I think he can do well. I think it's up to him to figure it out. It's up to him to turn it around. I think he can get a little help from uh, the coaching staff. Uh, and I think him turning it around is a difference. Like, that's that's margin for error for the Knicks. Right now, the Knicks are playing with a little margin for error, error with Jalen playing the way he is, and, you know, I just got word Julius Randle is player of the week. Give him credit. Give him credit. Talk to me nice. That's what Julius better be saying. Talk to me nice. But give him credit. Uh, so there's a – and with Hart playing well and DiVincenzo playing well and, and quickly, even though, you know, some games he's, he's great and some games he's not, defensively he's always there. Uh, with all of those guys playing at a decent level, there's some margin for error against poor teams. Uh, but against good teams, you need your Quentin Grimes. You need your R.J. Barrett. You, you need those guys to step it up. And I'm a big Quentin guy, and, and I know that he needs he can make adjustments based on the way the, the offense is structured right now without any touch any touching from the coaching staff. And it's on him to make that change. And he, he's got to do it. But I see a lot of talk about that Toronto game being the best win of the season, I'm not even going to argue that because Knicks beat a lot of bad teams, it's true, and they lost to some of the good teams, but a lot of the good teams, the losses to good teams, and it wasn't, it was circumstantial. The first loss of the season to Boston, Knicks should have won that game. It was a bad call. Again, it was that flopping call, call on Jalen Brown when it should have, I'm Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson when it should, should have been a, flagrant foul, and that was under two minutes in the game. So, I mean, that was a swing where Boston got possession and a technical foul when the Knicks should have gotten three free throws in possession, like, with the technical. So, yeah. So, you had that one. You had the loss to Boston. Uh, I believe that was the second half of back-to-back. You have the loss to the Pelicans, who are now in the, what, the semifinals? The semifinals and in-season tournament. That was a healthy Pelicans team. Uh, Sands, I don't think, Trey Murphy didn't play that game, but I think Herb Jones has played that game. Uh, but that's, that was a healthy Pelicans team for the most part. Uh, and and they played that game the second half of a back-to-back. And that Milwaukee game had bad calls in it. But the Knicks maybe could have won that game. They had to come back. They were, they were down, came back, took the lead late in that game. So, sure, they lost to some bad teams, and every team has circumstances to their wins and losses. But if we're actually going to analyze the teams like that, it's not like they've been getting their doors blown off by these good teams. With that said, this game, second half of a back-to-back, I didn't see this win coming. And the Knicks toughed it out against a tough Toronto team. I don't care if they're under 500. They're right around that 500 number. They're a bad matchup for teams to try to score in the paint, and the Knicks did a good job. They did a good job. Uh, and like I said, I'm a little nervous about this game. It's, it's now, it's been a long layoff, and I, and I said it before, I just don't like this team after a long layoff. I don't like it. You would think they would come out sharp. It just seems like they come out with 
without the right energy. And, you know, a lot of that falls on a player of the week who kind of eases himself into these games sometimes. And doesn't come out with come out with that desperation energy to start games. And I think it sets the tone. I think he's an energy leader on this team. I don't think I'm breaking new ground here. He's an energy leader on this team. And when his energy isn't quite right, the Knicks pacing offensively isn't great. And, you know, they're prone to getting down when the other team is opposite. And then they got to fight their way back. You know, and again, that's what happened in the Phoenix game, I thought. After they had a little layoff after or before that game and Phoenix was without Kevin Durant, you know, that that was a bad loss. And it was because they were fighting uphill battle the whole game before you even get into the schematics of it. It came out slow. So, you know, listen, the last thing you want is for the Knicks to come out here and and get embarrassed in this in-season tournament game that has the world watching at this point. Guys like Jalen, you know, always up to the task, and Hart is always up to the task. You know, you never know if he's going to be able to, you know, be an offensive threat. But DiVincenzo has shown himself to not be scared of these moments. RJ has shown himself to not be scared of these moments, but he's not been playing well. He's not at his timing uh, offensively since injury. We talked about that. So I am nervous about this game and with, with legitimate reason, but it should be a fun game. You know, the Knicks – if they were able to get this game, the way people talk about the Knicks, the way they, the way they analyze this team, the way the fans are, uh, for some reason, disproportionately negative about this team compared to where they are. And if they win this game and they get to go to Vegas, it's already an accomplishment to be the Final Four in the conference. But to get to go to Vegas, it would just be huge for them. Uh, as opposed to the Bucks, who have a championship under there about a couple of years, and and you know they're it's not going to boost their profile in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and not that profile is important, but I do I do believe that these games, and you're seeing the coaches say this, these games are good for young teams who haven't been in the playoffs, like Pacers for sure, but they're good to, to give guys uh, a, a – give them experience with stakes as high as these stakes are now. You know, it was a lot of a lot of unsureness on whether or not the stakes would be high to the players. Clearly, it is, it is to to play with this intensity. And you saw Kenny Smith talking about this. He said, as a young player, when he got a chance to play high intensity games, what you realize is how often in the regular season other teams are not playing at that intensity. They're not playing at that level. So if you can make that level your baseline then you will win a ton of games in the league. Even against good teams who, who, you know, for whatever reason, they may not want to bring it that night. And I think the Knicks are the type of team who has to play at a higher level, energy and intensity-wise, to win night to night, which gives them an advantage against bad teams, which is what I said coming into the season, to be fair. I said the Knicks right now, their floor, to me, has shown itself to be good enough to beat bad teams. Like they're, they're, even if they're not playing well, their their skill level uh, in their rotation and their energy and effort and defense is good enough to beat bad teams night to night. But like, what a game like this, I think, does for the Knicks, uh, the Pacers, the Pelicans on the other side, uh, not so much the Lakers. And, well, Phoenix needs you know some reps together, and they do have uh, a young you know some young players in their rotation. That don't have a lot of experience, but 
but especially for the Knicks and the Pacers, you have a team and players. So the Celtics too, if you think about it, because they got some young players coming off the bench in their rotation after all these trades. You you see, you get a taste of what this energy is when you're playing high level basketball, and unlike the Pacers, unlike I should say, unlike the Celtics, the Lakers, and Phoenix, the Knicks don't have all world talents to fall back on with all due respect to Jalen who might actually make me lie on that front. They don't have all world talents to fall back on in these spots when things start getting tricky and you need that guy to lead you to the promised land. Now Jalen has been that guy now, but we're not going to have that conversation right now. You know, Jason Tatum has been there. He's been played at the highest levels in playoffs and, and LeBron Durant, all of these guys, Milwaukee is winning championship, and that's what I mean. To beat these guys in these spots will give your entire rotation, your entire team, confidence and experience when it comes to playing the biggest teams, the best players in the biggest spots. And it's, it'll set a process and floor for the effort and energy and intensity that's needed to win these games, the focus that's needed to win these games. That experience can't help but make everybody better. In theory, it would make RJ play well in the playoffs last year, but it would make a guy like Quentin better. It'll make a guy like IQ who struggled in the playoffs last year better. It'll make, uh, you know, like I said, I had a lot of faith in Dante and Hart with their college championships and Brunson and showed himself to be that guy. It'll make potentially Mitchell better, potentially Randall more experience in these spots better when it matters. Imagine Randall being better in these bigger spots and and, and how he needs to take care of the ball and how he needs to create offense for other people and how careful he needs to be in his decision-making. Imagine he starts to learn that lesson because he has these games under his belt and he has success under his belt. That's where confidence comes from. That's where faith and process comes from. That's when the faith in the coaching staff comes from. Like, you know, we do what coach says. We can, we can win. We can actually win at a high level. And last year's playoffs did that for the team, no question. But they ended, they lost at the end of the day. And they lost in a series where they could have won it. And they lost a series where they they didn't. Not everyone played well, namely Randall and IQ went down the line, Quentin Grimes. And not everyone played well. Not everyone shot well. Not everyone felt like the offensive process was good enough to win that series. So to play a series or play a game like this with everything on the line, when everything works against one of the best teams in the conference and win on the road, like that can't help but be a building block for this team. It can't help but be priceless moving forward. So it's a big game. And, and the Knicks are not in a place where where close matters anymore. Keeping the game close, like none of that matters anymore. They got to they gotta succeed here. So it's a big game. It's not, it's not the end of the world if they don't win, all that nonsense. It's, not, it's none of that. But I do think it's a big... Uh, opportunity. It's an opportunity for a huge building block on the season. I, I'm a I'm big believer in a lot of that stuff. All right, let's move on a little bit and let's talk about let's again give Julius Randle his flowers. I saw a stat last week or a couple of days ago. Julius Randle. This is from Knicks Nation on Twitter. Julius Randle is the only player in the NBA with the following stats this season: two hundred and fifty plus points. 190 plus rebounds, 100 plus assists, and 25 plus three pointers. Now, his three point shooting percentage is is still poor right now after a bad start, but given 
give him credit for knocking those shots down. But, you know, that's a little bit of uh, convenient statting. But those numbers are impressive. And when you talk about Randall and what he can't do and the struggles that he has on the court, please understand how much offense that Randall is, is generating on this team. And, you know, I criticize him. I feel like I'm at least trying to be objective. It's not all good. It's not all bad. But if you're talking about trading Randall, you have to understand that you're trading away a huge nexus of offense for the Knicks. And it's not just the points he scores. It's it's the attention he garners and the plays he makes off of that attention. I think last year he was uh, top three in the league in points off double teams, which was surprising to me because like many people, and know, I have my issues with Randall and his decision-making sometimes when he's doubled and how he holds the ball too long, but he averaged around a point per possession when he's double teamed, which was near the top of the league. It was like near the top of the league. And you look at his assist totals in the season and this is true for every passer. Like they would have more assists if their guys hit shots. But it's it's especially true for Randall in the way he's criticized because of the way he's criticized. If the Knicks were hitting shots <laughs> earlier in the season, nobody in the Knicks team was was hot except for uh, Brunson. So at the very beginning of the season, a lot of people were missing shots and the Knicks were shooting poorly. They were shooting very poorly from three, and they're and they they've recovered from it the last couple of weeks, but. Think about how many assists Julius Randle would have if guys actually hit shots when, like, Quentin Grimes is not shooting especially well. It's decent. It's very decent. But it's not especially well for a guy who has shot, you know, 40% from three. Imagine if he's knocking his shots down. How many assists he has? You know? If you think about the hockey assist the Knicks get off of his offensive uh, offensive, uh, decision-making. You got to give him man credit. And again, this is, we understand this is true for every player in the league. They would have more stats assist wise, or they would have more hockey assists and what if they counted it, whatever. I'm just saying, Randall takes a lot of criticism. Understand what his numbers would look like if the Knicks were shooting better. RJ's been shooting poorly since he got back. Quinn's not shooting as well as he, he can, uh, he can shoot. Hart can even shoot better than he's shooting. You know, think about that. This guy is generating a lot of offense for this team. So when you talk about trading him, understand that you got to trade him and replace what he's doing and be better for it to make sense. There's not that many people who can do it. So you you have to appreciate the good with the bad. Don't be one of those guys that just focuses on yeah, the bad things that Randall does and not appreciate the good things. Act like it's nothing. Act like he's just stat padding out there. He's not just stat padding. I don't spend a lot of time on rebound numbers because the defensive boards aren't often contested. So I don't spend a lot of time talking about it, but he's still, he's still getting double figure rebounds. <laughs> like don't just act like it's, it's, you can take it for granted until you have somebody who's not rebounding. And then all of a sudden your team can't rebound, can't protect the defensive boards. Then it's important. You know, you can't just, yeah, like it's nothing, you know, but I don't make that the biggest deal. But if you replace them, you better be replacing them with somebody who can rebound. That's why Obi Toppin doesn't work here, right? That's why he doesn't work as a a power forward for the Knicks and didn't, you know, when people act like they play dumb on why Obi Toppin's not here. 
and get all excited when Obi Toppin is getting dunks and layups because one of the best passers in the league and the highest scoring team in the league is is feeding him dunks and layups. Did anybody pay attention to you know the defense and rebounding numbers of Obi Toppin, the three point shooting numbers of Obi Toppin? He's been playing well the last week. Give him credit, but y'all acting like he's been playing well all season. He hasn't. And we're gonna spend a little bit more time on that next episode because y'all, some of y'all still need a lot more lessons on what Obi Toppin was and was and what he wasn't and why he was traded and why he was traded for two second round draft picks and <clears throat> Dante DiVincenzo. Please don't forget that part. Okay. But we'll spend some time on that next show and we'll spend some time on some of the trade targets, potential trade targets that have been rumored for the next next show. I, and also I'm going to introduce a new segment. I think I, I think I told you it's going to be, I haven't named it. You can help me name it. I'm thinking about calling it the doofus chronicles. Um, or something like that, yeah. Uh, the dummy, the dummy fool report, something, something along those lines. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to start reading tweets and I'm going to start reading posts. There's a Nick group in, on Facebook that has a bunch of uh, very slow, ignorant fans in it that kind of encompass all that is said about Nick fans in general. Like why that reputation exists is is because of a lot of these fans in here, uh, and Twitter's the same way. And I'm gonna start reading some tweets and reading some arguments because it's hilarious if you're if if you're not me, it's funny. Me is not funny. It's really annoying <laughs> when I see the stupidity that's out there. Like, why are we still talking about Obi Top? Why are you talking about Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose on a team that has like three three wins? I don't, how many wins they got? I'm not looking up. I'm not looking it up. Derrick Rose has been hurt. He was hurt for like a like two three weeks. He's scoring like 14 points on a team that has a, a couple wins, and y'all talking about y'all said he couldn't play. <laughs> like what? what are you talking about? I saw a post about Cam Reddish. The Lakers are 8-2 and two when Cam Reddish starts. And then I went and looked at his game log. And I was like, okay, man. He's playing like he's playing like 30 to 50 other players in the league right now. Like, what, what is so special? There's nothing special here. Why, why would the Knicks need him? The Knicks are playing decently and so is the bench. Why are we talking about Cam Reddish? Obi Toppin averaged three rebounds a game and shooting under 30% from three. And it might have gone over 30% because he shot well his last few games. Well, Julius Randle's not shooting well from three. Yeah, but yeah, Julius Randle's also, do I need to read those stats again? Like, (laughs) Julius Randle's also like a a main cog in the Knicks offense, generating offense out of double teams, double-figure rebounds, like scoring a bunch of points. Yeah, it's not just about his... 30% 30% three-point shooting or whatever it is. But Obi Toppin is at three rebounds. He was at minus 22 on the Pacers like a week ago. Now he's up to plus 22 or, or somewhere around there, plus 23. Give him credit for playing better. But there's a reason why he's not the starting power forward. And can, I need you guys to realize that. Obi Toppin is not the player of the week. Okay. So we're definitely going to get into the dummy food, Doofus Chronicles, whatever I'm going to call it. We're going to start having ourselves a laugh at some of these Nick fans and hopefully educating some of the fans that are kind of parachuting in here and there 
and and maybe don't have uh, as definitive uh, of opinions on the team be, and listen to some of this nonsense and, and start getting themselves off on the wrong paths. Go on to this Milwaukee game again. You know Dame is is all you know is always Dame time in the big game. Uh, you're going to see Quentin on him initially. Uh, Quentin hasn't played quite as well defensively after all the arguments I had about his defense. He's out here getting cooked up. Uh, he's getting a lot of foul calls. He didn't seem quite as as uh, physical, and yeah, his feet don't look quite as quick. He played. I thought he played Dame decently over those screens for most of the game. Dame and the Bucks in general have not played great. But you know if the game is close, that's when things are going to be a problem. You know that, right? So that's what this is about. Can can they hang? They have a shooting center in Brook. That's always the Knicks Achilles heel. And he plays well at the front of the rim where the Knicks like to score their points. Again, another tough aspect uh, for the Knicks playing the Bucks, uh, especially with Giannis around two. However, on the flip side, the Bucks are having problems defensively. And I think the Knicks... If they can, they weren't playing that well offensively when they played the Bucks the first time, right? They were still kind of struggling on offense, and they were still able to find their way back into that game because of Brunson. I think the Knicks, if they get the best games out of RJ, I shouldn't say the best games, but if RJ can find his slot again, if Randall can can play well offensively, and Brunson can be Brunson, and now you have Hart who found a groove, found a rhythm the last few games. You have Dante, who's found a groove, found a rhythm the last few games. And Dante's got a revenge game factor against the Bucs as well. They got a chance because they had a chance that first game. And, and none of those guys were really on it, on it yet. So they really have a chance. And I think there's always an advantage for a team that lost a matchup right before. I'm always, I'm always wary when the Knicks have played a team beat them and then they have to play them again because and no matter what the sport is to me it's easier when you lose to make adjustments because you have things that need to be fixed and the players are are especially focused on wanting to fix, fix those things because it didn't work the first time so now you're doing different things going into the game and now the opposing team has to adjust and that's not always as simple as it sounds, especially in the regular season. So to me, if the roles were reversed and the Knicks beat the Bucks, a healthy Bucks team the, the time before and they were playing them tonight, even if it was at the garden, I'd have been like, ugh, it's gonna be a tough one. But when I mean tougher than even this. But when you lose that first game and people aren't playing well, so what are the Bucks going to do? You know, they're going to scout the Knicks and what they saw them do against other teams, great. But when they come into this uh, this game, the Knicks are going to have adjustments made that they weren't ready for, and the Knicks have an opportunity to do things that they didn't do in the first game. Okay, you know, you had guys that weren't playing well, and the Bucks are going to come into this game, well, we don't have to worry about this dude. They didn't even play well. Now that dude is playing well. Now now Randall's going to be taking and making shots that he didn't make the first time. He's going to be taking and making passes that he didn't make the first time. You know, Hart's going to be making, taking and making plays that he didn't do the first time. And that's harder, that's harder to deal with when you didn't see it before. And I, that might be an advantage for the Knicks. It might be an advantage for him. You know, but matchup-wise, the Knicks have never been a great matchup. 
against the Bucks, and a lot of that was because of Drew Holiday for a long time. Obviously, Giannis, but uh, Dame Lillard can't guard Brunson, and nobody over there can guard Brunson. No, but I, nobody on Knicks can really guard Dame. But that's his real life. They're gonna have a, a, a screen game just like everybody else. It's gonna be a pick and pop thing. It's gonna be Dame coming down the stretches of the game, uh, running screens with Giannis, running screens with Brooke. But again, the Knicks have a more they have a sense of what worked the first time and what didn't. They have adjustments that they're gonna make. Whereas the Bucks are probably gonna come out doing what worked before. That's what most teams do. They're going to do what worked before, and they're going to have to make adjustments as it goes. Now, the Knicks are not going to blow the Bucks out in this game. So this is going to come down, no matter how you, you whatever you're talking about schematically, is going to come down to the last couple minutes and who makes plays and who doesn't. And you know they have an advantage on that. They're at, home. they're at home. They have two superstars on that team, bona fide superstars on that team, one of which is an all-time great down the stretch in games and, and going to be attacking a weak spot with the Knicks as long as Brooke Lopez is, on, Lopez is on the floor, stretching the floor and keeping Mitch out of the paint. All right, so the Knicks are just going to have to put points on the board here. They got to put points on the board. They got to hope to have like a 10-point lead in the last two, three minutes of the game, and they got to manage themselves at that point because the Bucks can go three different places to score down the stretch and don't need actions to do it. Dane Lillard could just come down the court and then shoot a 25-foot three and, and, and kill you or just ISO you off, off, uh, you know, off penetration and whip you up getting fouled or at the front of the rim. Middleton will sit there and shoot mid-range jump shots over smaller players all day long. Even if, even if you got R.J. Barrett on him, it don't matter. A taller player who's not a great defensive player, Middleton is going to knock that shot down every single time. And then you have Giannis who's going to be attacking the front of the rim against uh, Julius Randle and maybe Mitchell Robinson with a Brook Lopez uh, spreading the floor. So if you can build... A 10-point lead down the stretch of that game, last two, three minutes, and hold on, Knicks have a chance. If the Knicks are in a nip and tuck, you know, one or two possession game in the last minute of that game, the referees ain't going to be there for you, and you got too many mismatches on the floor, too many opportunities to, to score for the Bucks for the Knicks to keep up with, if you ask me, because it's just going to be the Knicks going to Brunson down the stretch and, and hoping that Brunson can make plays. And Brunson's been missing free throws down the stretch now, too, which is pissing me off. So... Excited for the game. I'll have my popcorn ready. But make sure you follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time. Yeah.